Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin there. We've been doing a series called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And um, I want to continue on with that today. Maybe one or two left in that, not sure. We'll see how it goes. In Matthew chapter 6, remember again Jesus prayed. He began in verse 9 when he said, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in verse 10 he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was a huge prayer. At the time the disciples didn't understand what Jesus meant. They were all looking for the kingdom to come. Even in Acts chapter 1, about verse 6 or so, you know, when he appears to them, notice it says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Uh, long and short of it, he says, no, not like you think. Okay? And then he goes on in verse 8 to talk about the power that was going to come. See, they're still thinking that all that needs to happen is Israel needs to get back in power. Jesus is thinking, God so loved the world, (laughs) amen, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes, didn't matter where you came from. The new birth doesn't look at nationality and go, no, you can't get saved. Thank God for that. None of us would be here today. Amen? <laughs> Alright. And so, you know, God was bringing about His kingdom. Jesus Christ was showing us how it was going to be done. Whatever Jesus did, He always prefaced it with prayer. He prayed wherever He went. The, the Gospels don't record all the times He prayed. So don't think just because it isn't written, He didn't do it. He was praying all the time. Amen? He did two things. See, he did something that some people think, well, we can do one or the other, but you need to do both. He would be in constant communication with God, and he would find time to pray separately as well. So, it wasn't that he went and prayed for half an hour or an hour or three hours or whatever, and then he said, okay, goodbye God, I'll see you tomorrow at the same time. Do you understand? We must not do that. When he finished praying, he didn't finish with God, he just finished with that time. He, he took God with him. He was God, amen, amen, alright. So but, you know, when you finish praying, you don't finish with God. You just finish with that time, and you take God with you. Because if you don't have God's mind, and God's wisdom, and God's leading throughout the day, God only knows where you'll end up. Amen? Okay? This isn't something we do just off and on. And can I say this as well? A lot of times, you know, when we have a success, we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's great. Who needs to pray now? That is the time to pray. So let's go and have a look at this. Uh, Turn with me please to Mark chapter 1. In John 6.38, I'm just going to read the scripture to you. Jesus said, take my word, he said this, okay? (laughs) Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Alright, that was where Jesus' power was coming from. He said, I didn't come down to do my will. I think this is one of the key problems that we are having in the earth today, is we are wanting to do our will, when Jesus said, your will be done. 
Let me say that again. One of the biggest problems we are facing right now is my will be done, not God's will be done. And we are constantly asking God, demanding of God, telling God, you know, this is what we want. This is how we want it. And hurry up about it. (laughs) Okay? We're just constantly... And don't get me wrong. Jesus said, whatever you have need of, ask. Okay? But I think one of the things that we do is we do not seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And instead of having everything added to us, we keep running after all the everything. When God said, if you seek my kingdom first, my way of doing things, then everything that you are needing, wanting, desiring, will come to you. I don't know why we don't want to just surrender to God. Are we afraid? I don't know. I think we kind of worry. If we said, God, I surrender to you, the next thing we're going to hear is, go to China. But God, I don't know Chinese. <laughs> okay? I like the food, but you know, okay. No, we need to get past that. We need to understand that everybody isn't called to stuff like that. You are called to something unique. God has designed you a certain way, and He has designed you to excel. Can I say that again? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, not bad ones. Amen? That's in Ephesians 2.10. And so we are designed to excel. God didn't make us and kind of go, oh, that one's half-baked. I don't think that one's going to do so well in life. That's what people tell us. And you know, can I say this? (laughs) I have a whole other sermon going on in my brain now. Uh, (laughs) Let me see if I can narrow it down. What we're starting to find out now, through science, is that all the teachers that told you you're dumb... All the people that said, oh, you know, you're you're sort of not going to make it so well in the world because according to our grading system, you don't hit very high. But we are learning now that that's only based on two out of seven pillars of intelligence that your brain has. Interesting, isn't it? All the other five get neglected. Hear me. So when people say, oh, you're not going to amount to much... That's in their system, not in God's system. There's no second best in God's system. Everyone that God made, He made perfect. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it says that I made you perfect, but you choose to go your own way. You choose to do stuff that's not right. Are you all here? Okay, that's not my sermon today. All right. (laughs) Let me get back to Mark. That was free, all right, on the house. Let me get back to Mark chapter 1. (laughs) I want to read this in light of what we were talking about, about doing God's will. About everything needs to be in God's will. Now, let's read Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Let me just give you a little background here. In the verses previous to this, they went to church. Okay, they went to synagogue. And... There was a person that was possessed. And Jesus casts that demon out. In fact, there was a whole bunch of them in there. And he tells them all to shut up as they're coming out. Because they all knew him. Isn't it interesting that demons know him. And the religious leaders are blind as bats. I don't know if bats are blind, but you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? They all know and he's going, shut up. And he shuts them up, gets them all out. So after church service, and everybody goes, what authority does this man speak with? And wow, and woohoo, and all of that stuff is going on. So they're going home from church now. You all with me? Okay, they're heading off to Simon Peter's home. 
So it says that they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Verse 30, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. Yes, he was married. And they told him about her at once. Verse 31, so he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Now, this isn't about her serving them. The reason that they put that little bit in there was to let us know. Now, in the other accounts, it actually tells us that she was close to death. It was a, it was a deadly fever. It was something that was killing her. Now, the way we know this is because of what's going to happen next. Alright? So the reason that they put that little bit in there was to say that she didn't just get healed and feel a little better. She got healed to such a degree, she bounced out of bed. Are you all with me? Okay? And she was like, ta-da! What do I want to do now? Ooh, I'll serve someone. You know, to serve someone, you need to be good. Otherwise, they'll be serving you. Some people like that. They want to stay sick for that reason. I won't go any further. Okay, so <laughs> she gets up and serves them. That, that's, that's commendable. And so it says in verse 32, At evening, when the sun had set, now the reason that they put that little phrase in there is because it's a Sabbath day, see? You're not meant to do any work on the Sabbath day. But the way they count their Sabbath days is from evening to evening. So the evening of the previous day, I think about seven or whatever, to the evening of the next day, seven probably, all right, is one Sabbath. Are you all getting this? Okay, so they start the evening before they finish in the next evening. So, so I can just see the guy waiting for the sundial to hit that little mark. They didn't have watches, you understand, all right, okay? And so as soon as it was that time, watch what happens. As soon as the Sabbath is over, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. There are two events that led to this. Number one, what happened in the synagogue? Cast out the demon, they come out going, we know you're the son of God, shut up. Sends it all out, goes home, heals somebody else. That's on, on the verge of death, basically. She had something that was so bad. And does somebody just get healed of a little bit of a fever? Nobody cares. This is why we know it was something life-threatening. So they knew he could cast out demons, and he could heal. This is a good thing. <laughs> and so what we have is here... It says, they brought to him all who were sick, and those who were demon-possessed. Watch verse 33. And the whole city gathered together at the door. That's Peter's door. You can just imagine, you know, they finish eating, whatever, they come out, they swing open the doors, and there's the whole city. Can you imagine what that would look like? The whole city was at his door. Watch verse 34. Then he healed many. Remember his prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No sick people in heaven. No demon possessed people in heaven. Follow now. And so what happens? Verse 34. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. That tells us there were incurable diseases. There were things that were terminal. Do you understand? Things that people just said, forget about it. And they're all getting healed, one after the other. And that's not where it stops. And it says, and cast out many demons. And watch this. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Credible, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> do they know you? How do they know you? 
friend or foe. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to leave that there. All right. Okay. Verse 35. Now watch, this is what I want to draw attention to. In the morning... Now, see, he's had an amazing healing meeting. Can we say yes to that? Okay, I mean, people are healed. Demons are cast out. There's deliverance on every level. What would you do the next day? Now, he, obviously, he ministered well into the night. The whole city was at the door. It takes a little while. Are you all here? Okay. So, you know that he must have gone to bed fairly late. Now, what would we do generally? I'd sleep in. I mean, wow. We cast our demons. We heal the sick. It was late. We need to sleep in a little bit. Oh, don't all look at me so saintly. You know, if you had a big night, you'd sleep in the next morning a little bit even. Okay, just me. All right, I'm the carnal one here. Okay, don't worry about it. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on, follow me here. Because this, I need you to get this because this is what we do in our mind. If we don't reset our mind, if we don't renew our mind, we're not going to go through the transformation that God needs us to go through. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. That's Romans 12 too. All right. So we need to renew our minds because if we don't tag this and flag this, we won't do it. So I want you now to just, I don't want you to just go, yeah, 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 that's what we should do. No, that's what I should do. That's what I need to remember when this happens. Because I'm praying that all of us step into that power of God. That we start to do all sorts of amazing things in time to come. Because that is God's kingdom coming through you. And God's will being done through you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. All of this stuff. I tell you, family, don't look around and think, well, there's 20 people here, so dear Lord, you know, whatever. Jesus had 12, and he turned the world upside down. What about the 70? Well, they weren't there at the cross. It was hard to find any other 12 to do the truth. All right, okay. Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, I mean, let's just look at it. It doesn't take a lot to do a lot. It's not quantity. Never has been quantity. Always quality. Always. Alright. So let's get back to this. Watch what it says now. He doesn't sleep in. Verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. So it's still dark. Now I want you to imagine this. Jesus has finished this incredible ministry and he wakes up. You know, has God woken you up? And you want to go back to sleep? Come on now, fess up, alright? <laughs> it took me a little while before I realized when I used to wake up in some ungodly hour to pray. I'd just go, what am I doing up? Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go to sleep. You know the more you tell yourself to go to sleep, you stay awake? Because you're talking to yourself. Stop. To, okay? And I realized, if I'm awake, there's a reason. And you know the quickest way to go back to Have you ever tried to pray? You go to sleep mostly. Duh. Okay, you wake up in the middle of the night. Can I give you one word of advice? Pray. One way or the other, you'll either go back to sleep or whatever needs to happen will happen. Or both. Okay, when God's done, He'll just go, okay, go back to sleep. I don't know the number of times that I just get up now and I'll just pray. I don't care anymore. I don't think, oh, I'm going to be a mess the next morning. Oh, forget about it. You never get tired praying in the Spirit. You get energized. Jude tells us that. Building yourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? So you just start praying, man. I tell you, it will energize you and you'll go back to sleep. You won't be penalized for doing what is right. Always remember that with God. Okay, always remember that. All right. (laughs) So he wakes up and he knows God's talking. He knows it's time to have a conversation. And rather than go back to sleep, he now very carefully tiptoes through the crowd and through everybody there. Gordon knows who all ended up at Pete's place. Okay, what would have been a few stayovers? <laughs> you know, okay. And the whole city was at the door, remember? All right, and so he's, he just tiptoes through the crowd, gets outside, goes up, and watch what he says. He says, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, which means he went and found a place. He looked for somewhere that was quiet. And there he gloated and thought about what an amazing meeting he just had. No. Many of us would do that. He didn't. And I wouldn't say us here, okay? But usually people, that's what they do after a great meeting. They sit back and gloat a little bit and go, Wow, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a while. And write a newsletter. <laughs> Hello. He didn't do any of that stuff. Watch what it says. This is a crucial statement. And there he prayed. After all this, he gets up early in the morning, finds a quiet place, and begins to pray. I love that. And watch what happened. Verse 36, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. You know people won't leave you alone. How many times have you started praying and the phone rings? Somebody knocks at the door. I mean people that don't care about you suddenly turn up. Just when you're praying. Also, another way of getting people to turn up at your door. Start praying. No. <laughs> it just amazes me how I'll go all day without a phone call, and as soon as I start praying, it'll ring. So if that's you, I'm sorry, I let it go to answering machine because I need to pray. I'll answer your call, I'll call you back, but that's where I am. Okay, and not to say that you were led by the devil or anything. Don't go down that road. I'm just saying, it happens. Because I don't want you to get paranoid now. Every time you pick up the phone, maybe he's praying. I'll put it back down. And then the very time you pick up the phone, he's like, now I'm praying. No. Okay, no. Don't go there. Just don't go there. Okay. All right. So it says here, and Simon and those who were with him. Now the reason that they mentioned Simon is not because he's the head of the church or anything. It was his house. Whose house was it? It was Peter's house. It was Simon Peter's house. Do you understand? And so obviously, Simon Peter wakes up and goes, Oh, where's Jesus? Where's our guest? <laughs> he ain't here. We need to go check him out. Because you know why? Everybody's looking for him the next day. Because of what happened the day before. Not only at night, but during the day. Remember? In the church, in the synagogue. He cast out a demon as well. So watch what they say now. Mark one thirty seven. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Everyone now is looking for you. You know what? People are like that. Ooh, somebody can heal. Let's go get healed. You know, they'll just come for a free meal, a free healing, a free anything. Okay? But watch, this is the reason why he says, But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Do you know why he was able to say that? Because he prayed. Before they woke up, 
<laughs> Listen now. Before they could put their agenda on him, he went to God and found out what God's agenda was for him. Don't miss this. If you don't plan out your time and get a word from God, somebody else will. You decide whether you want other people to run your lives or whether you want to do God's will. If you want to do God's will, then you get to prayer. You go pray. You find out from God, God, what do you want me to do today? Because otherwise the phone will ring, somebody will knock on your door, and they will take you somewhere else. And then you'll be wondering how come things are not working out for you. Come on, guys. If you're out geographically outside of God's will, do you know what that means? Remember David? Remember he was meant to go to war? Remember what he did? Stayed at home, because they always win. So he sends everybody else off, stays at home, and what happens? An affair with Bathsheba. And all the other stuff that followed was not good. Do you know why? He was geographically out of God's will. He wasn't meant to be there. Hear me? He was meant to be somewhere else. Had he been somewhere else, didn't matter they always win. He needed to be there. Because if he prayed that day, God would have said, get up and go. That's the only thing God would have been saying to him the whole day. When he woke up well after morning and in the afternoon, the only thing that God would have been saying was, get out of bed and get out of the palace. You are not meant to be here. Family, if you wake up with God yelling in your ear, Okay, here's a still small voice, I get it. But you know what I'm trying to say. All right? If you are getting one command, go, just go. Because staying is not a good thing now. Amen? Other times God will just say, keep still and know that I'm God. Those days don't go anywhere. Because if you go somewhere, even if it's to do something good, now you're geographically out of God's will again. Amen? Pastor, you're confusing us now. Do I go or do I stay? Those that are led by the Spirit. They are the sons and the daughters of God. Just listen to what God is saying. That's all I'm saying to you. Amen? Amen. Alright. Because of his prayer. Because he took time. See again, to do God's will, to bring about his kingdom in this earth, requires you knowing what he needs you to do. When he needs you to do it. Where you need to go. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need instructions, family. You know, don't go to God in prayer just for the stuff you need. Everybody else's prayer list because they gave it to you. Because, you know, you seem to pray and things happen. And that's not all your prayer. By all means, take your needs to God. Take other people's needs to God. We are meant to be doing that. We are meant to be praying for one another. But don't stop there. The next question is now, God, what do you need me to do? Today. What is your will? Because it says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by Him. He will order your steps, but you need to ask Him. Amen? Alright, I'm running out of time here. So, can, can we just go to Luke chapter 4? I want to go back to something we were talking about. Notice what Jesus was doing to bring about the kingdom of God. There are several accounts that parallel Mark chapter 1. Okay, these verses. One of them is in Luke chapter 4. So can we turn there? The other is in Matthew chapter 4. So we're going to look at just a few verses from there, just to see what all happened at the end. Alright? It says in Luke 4.42, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. The crowd sought him and came to him. And then it says, And tried to keep him from leaving. 
<laughs> Do you know why? They found a good thing and they want to keep it all to themselves. People are kind of like that, you know. When they find something, it's like, okay, Jesus, you belong to us. Uh, no. <laughs> Alright? Okay? And, and there it says, and he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? In, in Mark's gospel, he just said that I need to go preach, okay? That I may preach there also. But in Luke's gospel, he adds something to it. He says that I must preach the kingdom of God. Do you all understand the kingdom of God, the phrase the kingdom of God? All right, let me see if I can do this in two minutes. All right? Some people get the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven mixed up. Some people think it's the same thing. There are times when the references are identical in the same places. But when you look at it a little bit more closely, there is a slight difference. The kingdom of... Remember Matthew. Matthew is the only gospel that uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven. 33 times, if you're interested. All right? <laughs> Just say. But... The other Gospels use the phrase, the kingdom of God. People, because they've seen Matthew use that term primarily, they said that it's the same thing as the kingdom of God. It is not. Matthew was writing to Jews. And so he had to address them as Jews. And what were they looking for? Acts 1.6 told us, when are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? They were looking for that kingdom to come back to Israel. They were looking for that Davidic covenant. They were looking for a king to come and rule, get rid of the Roman government, and bring about a normal government that is godly. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Okay, so that's why Matthew talked about the kingdom of heaven. When he talked about the kingdom of heaven, that's what he was generally meaning. Alright, and so when you read it, understand that he was talking about a physical kingdom coming back. Now, I hope you trek with me. Alright? Alright? <laughs> The other gospel writers talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is you being born again. It's you receiving God into your heart. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You are now temples of the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. You are now bringing part of that kingdom in you, through you, into this earth. All of you are a part of God's kingdom now. In this earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, what would happen if the whole world got saved? It ain't going to happen, but what happens if it does? The kingdom of God will become the kingdom of heaven. Because everyone on this earth will be led by God, and the government will be godly, and will have a physical kingdom down here that reflects God. Do you understand? Right now we have a spiritual kingdom inside of us. That's the difference. Okay, can we go on? Okay, so, <laughs> alright, just so you know. Alright, getting back to this. Let me conclude here. So, he says that I may preach the kingdom of God. The reason is, what he wants to do, in order for us to get the kingdom of heaven down here, we need to get there one salvation at a time. One person at a time. It's like aliens came and took over people. You were born again from above. They are no more of this earth than I am. Do you get this now? All right? Our home isn't earth anymore, it's heaven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a book up there that has your name in it. You are one of its citizens now. You change, man. <laughs> okay? You're no longer the person that you were. You are now a new creation. Something that never existed before in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You're getting this now? The kingdom of God coming to this earth. One person at a time. And we'll have the kingdom of heaven. Amen.
So this is why he says here, and he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And to find out what all was going on, Matthew's gospel then picks up. I love the gospels because sometimes they'll just do a handoff. Matthew 4.23 then tells us what happened next. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness, and all kinds of diseases among the people. And then Mark 1.39 concludes by saying, And casting out demons. What was happening? This was Jesus Christ bringing God's kingdom into the earth. And that's why, again... 1 John 3.8 said, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Can I parallel this now with Mark 1.38? Notice that Mark 1.38, what did Jesus say? For this purpose, I have come forth. Notice the wording. And then in 1 John 3.8, John writes, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. In short, it, for, it was for this purpose that Jesus came forth and was manifested to destroy the works of the devil by preaching, teaching, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, and casting out demons from everyone that needed deliverance. Hallelujah. And in doing that, he was bringing about and demonstrating what he meant when he prayed, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.